the Bears' stranglehold on the top pick loosened a little bit. The Chargers, they've cleaned house. Chip Kelly has the most sensible plan for college football I think I've ever heard. All that and more coming up next on the Draft Countdown Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Bosarch, joined tonight by my co-host, Brad Menendez, filling in for Shane P. Hallam, who's doing some daddy uh, duties tonight. But, Brad, we are 126 days, 22 hours, 58 minutes, 12 seconds away from the 2024 NFL Draft. Man, and with all the bowl games happening and college football kind of nearing its conclusion and us inching closer to the playoffs, the draft season's almost upon us i mean if you check out our if you check out the website draftcountdown.com you're seeing all of our mock drafts uh, travis's mock draft i combed over this week and had a blast looking at it and going man travis is way smarter than me uh you know and, and it's just been a good time but first shane i hope kiddo's doing well you take care of him and we'll miss you tonight my friend but it's a good time it's an exciting time we got christmas we've got all the fun holiday stuff plus we still have a lot of football to see I'm excited. It's a good time, and I'm glad to talk to you tonight, my friend. I, I'm glad to have you in here, and 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 you are absolutely right when you say that draft season, it, it's already here. I've seen the numbers from the mock drafts and everything on the site. It, there's a lot of fan bases that's already checked out on the NFL season, my friend. But let's uh, – I, I want to remind everybody that uh, if you're following along live in the chat on YouTube – uh, go ahead and send us a question there. We'll answer it at the end of the episode. If you're watching live on Twitter, you can send us a question at Draft Countdown. We'll answer that there as well. Or if you're on our Discord, drop a question there. We'll answer it there as well. If you're not a member of our Discord, you need to join up. Go to DraftCountdown.com, top right corner of the search bar. There's a link to join the Discord there. We would love to have you there for some nice discourse on the NFL college ball or whatever. We don't care. We'll talk about everything. Music, movies, and everything in between. That's right. Quickly here, we're going to wrap up the college football coaching carousel because there was only one head coaching job open uh, after all, everything else is shaken out, and that was at Troy. And they have hired Notre Dame offensive coordinator Jared Parker to uh, be their new head coach, replacing um, Summerall, who went to Tulane. Yes. So, how do you uh, feel about that? That's an I, interesting move. I didn't necessarily see them going after Parker. He is the. I saw this uh, from my guy, Craig Stevenson, writer for AL.com, said that this is the third head coach out of the last four that Troy has hired with ties to Kentucky. I know that was – I thought that was interesting to me. Uh, they've done well there with Neil Brown and John Summerall and now uh, Jared Parker, so we'll see how that works out. For him. I do like his. I do like Parker's energy, though. Like he, I mean, when you watch the sidelines in Notre Dame and you see, obviously, you don't see a lot of them. But what you did see, I was like, I mean, he could rally the troops and really get Troy back to where they need to be. You know, because Troy's produced some really strong NFL talent over the years. I mean, they've uh, they've won twenty over twenty games the last two seasons and only lost three. John Summerall's done a great job there, and they've got some NFL talent on that team uh, this year. Uh, Angst, they played Duke in their bowl game coming up. We're going to talk about it a little bit later. Um, Angst, they, they've got some guys on that team, including one that uh, will be at the Senior Bowl. We talked about last week, Javon Solomon. 
mm-hmm. and uh, a couple other guys. I think one other guy I think could actually end up on the senior bowl roster for it's over. Um, so let's look at the top 10 of the NFL draft. Currently, uh, we did have some minor movement, I guess. Uh, the Carolina Panthers actually won a game. And uh, that loosened the uh, Bears' uh, lead on that just slightly. Um, percentage, uh, I don't know who come up with these percentages, but the Bears currently have an 85% chance to get the top pick with Carolina's pick. Uh, but the Patriots are up to 10% because uh, they lost again this week. They're now 3-11. and Arizona comes in at 4%. They have played a much tougher uh, strength of schedule, but right now Carolina and New England both have played the same strength of schedule. So um, that would be wild if that ended up tied and they end up tied. Then we have to have a coin flip at the combine, right? For the number one pick in the draft, we haven't had one of those in a while for the top pick. But uh, Arizona currently picking third. The Commanders, uh, less than 1% chance. Uh, They're currently picking fourth at 4-10, and but they've lost five games in a row. Uh, Chicago's own pick. Now they're five and nine. Uh, they blew it. They blew the game this past week, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's... I mean that that was that was a tough one because they really should have with all the turnovers they got off Flacco. They really should have. They should have won that one. Uh, Tommy DeVito got knocked down to earth a little bit this week. The Giants lost to the Saints. They dropped to five and nine. Uh, the Jets lost again and kept Aaron Rodgers from trying to get back on the field. Poor guy. Uh, won't see the field this season. Uh, although they are activating to the 53-man roster, which I thought was weird, but okay. Um, the Tennessee, we're going to skip over eight for just a second. The Tennessee Titans, uh, another team that blew a game this past week that could have helped the Bengals out a little bit, but they didn't. Um, they're five and nine, and Atlanta, uh, six and eight. Uh, coming in at the 10th pick, they are had the same record as Green Bay and Las Vegas. I definitely think it's an interesting top 10, you know, especially because most likely it's going to be, you know, one, two, or three picking one, right? Like New England, does Bill Belichick leave? Is New England going to try to push for that number one pick? I mean, they aren't playing very uh, inspiring football right now. So it's like, okay, are they trying to get to the one? You know, because Carolina is not trying to lose, right? Like you could tell watching them Sunday, as much as they aren't a good football team, they're not trying to lose. They're trying to do their best. So it's it'll be interesting to see which one of these top three teams is really trying to get that number one pick. Right. Um, we got our, another coach, head coach firing this week. And after the way they played Thursday night, you knew it was coming. Uh Brandon Staley ousted as the coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, along with their general manager, Tom Telesco, was very easy to see this was coming, right, Brad? Yeah, I mean, you can't lose that bad to the Vegas Raiders and keep your job. I mean, that's they were playing okay, but you could tell that that really sealed it for them. I mean, the team just didn't rally, and... You know, and I don't blame them. The quarterbacks were not great, and but Vegas barely, you know, I mean, that game week before against Minnesota was tough. So it's like, what are we doing here? And then that happened. It's like, oh, this is over. Yeah, they go from scoring, Vegas goes from scoring zero the week before, losing three to nothing to <laughs> dropping 63 points. It's just crazy. But this is, despite having a franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert, this is not an enviable situation for a GM or a new head coach to come into, right? Currently, the Chargers projected to be $45 million over the cap. And they, um, I I don't know how they fix it. I I was looking at some of the numbers on, I think, overthecap.com and uh, Khalil Mack, uh, you would save $23 million if you released him. But he would, it would, you'd have to eat fifteen million in dead money. Joey Bosa would save fourteen million against the cap, but you'd have to eat twenty-two. Mike Williams would save twenty million, but you'd have to eat twelve. Keenan Allen would save twenty-three million, but you'd have to eat eleven. So either you're going to eat a lot of dead money, or you're going to be kicking the can down the road a lot. Well, yeah. When you look at, you know, I just have spot track up, but when you look through their their contracts and the guaranteed money, I mean. 
they spent a lot of money on just a few players. I mean, and then once you get down to the guys that are making big money, there is no way to get out easily. I mean, and the guys that they do owe money to, I mean, you've got, you know, like Rashawn Slater's guarantees, like 16, over 16 million, but he's young. He's a part of your, what you're trying to do in the future. But, you know, then you look at guys like Corey Lindsley and some of the names you mentioned. I mean, it's not, I don't know how you fix this. Like you, you are going to be in trouble for a couple of years. And then by the time you're out of trouble, you're going to have to pay Justin Herbert, right? Like you have to keep giving him more money. Well, Justin Herbert got the new deal this off season. Right. And only so five years, right. But you can't do anything with his contract for a while. Right. So it's, I don't, I don't even think this is a situation like the saints where the saints are in the proverbial can kicking down the road. They do it every year. Their cap guys, the greatest of all time. So, right. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't envy them in that situation. Well, I mean, it's it's gonna they're gonna have to find teams that are willing to take on some of them contracts, right? Like they're gonna have to trade, you know, big pieces and hope that there's teams with lots of money that want to take them. I don't yeah. know if it's possible, but I, I mean, I would. I, I don't think you're gonna get many take, or you're not gonna get much return back for Khalil Mack. I mean, I guess the best no. in that situation would be Boza. It, right. it, if that's indeed the, the piece that you're going to trade out. Like I said, it's 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 not an enviable situation at all. Yeah, um, I mean, the tough thing is that they still have strong core in terms of yeah. the defense isn't bad. You've got a young quarterback. Obviously, you've already started paying them. I mean, but you're going to have to let some of these aging guys that are maybe close to the end, just let them go. You know, like Nino mentions, <laughs> Eckler. You know, there's some guys that, that – you aren't going to be able to bring back and you're going to have to lean on some younger guys or, or UDFAs in certain situations. And it's not, like you said, it's not an enviable position, but it, it can be fixed if they bring the right people in. Now, the question is, is it Harbaugh? Is it Belichick? You're seeing all these names floated. I don't know that either of those guys are really going to fix this situation, but it'll be interesting I've, to see what they do. I've seen enough over the last few years to know that I don't want Bill Belichick in charge of personnel. So I don't know if that's, the, the the right call there um we'll we'll see i do think he's out in new england though when the season's over i, I i'm curious I, I'm, I'm curious it's it's a thing that i'm very curious about all right i asked you before we went on how much you saw chip, chip kelly's what i i think is a perfect solution to the current state of college football which has just gotten goofy um especially from a realignment perspective. And I think that's the main crux he was coming at it with. Um, so I'll, I'll go through some of the high points here. He said he thinks college ball needs a commissioner a la the NFL. I agree. Um, he thinks that basically you, as it stands right now, there's like 130 teams or 130 plus teams in the FBS his solution is to take like the top 70 or 64 or 70 teams and basically break them off into two conferences. Kind of almost essential with the Big Ten and the SEC is done already with half that number. But, you know, I guess group in the ACC and the Big 12 and the Notre Dames and, a, you know, a handful of others. And those are your top two. And basically those are now two conferences. Then at the group of five level, they also, and then you regionalize the two big conferences, not unlike the AFC. Not, you see where he's going here. He's basically trying to NFLize the college football, essentially what it is now anyway, and break those into regionals. And so where UCLA would play seven games against the quote-unquote West region and then play five games in a rotating basis against the other regions, the South, the Mid-Atlantic, the Northeast, the Midwest, the Northwest, such and such and so on. Kind of like the NFL does now where they you rotate the opposite conference teams you play. Mm -hmm. um, he, and I completely am on board with this, where he says college football needs to be separated from every other sport because college football is it's, it's a beast on its own. And there's no point um, in, like he put it, 
there's no point in our basketball and our women's volleyball team playing Rutgers instead of playing Arizona. It makes no sense. And you could go back to essentially the Pac-12 or whatever in every other sport but football. Um, then he thinks that that way you can now negotiate instead of the SEC having a contract with ESPN, Big Ten having contracts with Fox. These conferences can now negotiate as one unit like the NFL does. You're going to get more money, right? And then I would agree. And the last thing here, he thinks that that will in turn lead to revenue sharing for the players. And then basically you could have the conferences instead of the AFC and NFC be sponsored to generate more revenue, have the Nike conference, the Amazon conference, the Apple conference, whatever, whatever the like is. I saw this and just nodded my head along and agreed. Every single thing he said makes absolute sense for where college football is right now. Well, and I don't, I don't see why you don't try to think, how do we make this better for everybody, for the players, for the team? I mean, because it's what Chip says is not something that hurts any one group. It doesn't hurt the players. It certainly doesn't hurt any of the schools. You know, and I think you guys, funny you mentioned it, but I'm pretty sure you guys talked about it on one of the earlier shows this season where you talked about, you know, the volleyball teams and some of these other groups really don't deserve to have to travel all this no. way just because the football teams do this. You know, they, the money is not there. Women's volleyball or any other type of volleyball is not making the same type of money. So why treat them that way and force them to have to just go all over the country for no reason? So split it off. I, I like it more. So the struggle I've had with, especially once we move to this whole playoff format is, you know, we, and we saw it this year, Florida State got boned, right? Like that team deserved a chance. I know the quarterback situation is what it is. Uh, but, you know, when you looked at a team like Florida State, they were getting some guys back. They had an edge rusher coming back that was going to be eligible for the playoff, or at least that's what it sounded like, that, you know, really helped make that defense even better. And it's like, okay, so there was some there was some up and down there where I felt bad for that Florida State team or, or even some of these other teams that deserve a chance you know, I'm not saying they're going to go into and face Bama and win or face, you know, Oregon and win or Washington and win, whatever the case may be. Like, we need to make the playoff better because when the national championship is played, I want a winner to be deserved of the national championship. So I like where we're going with it, but not only that, then you've got all the NIL money that started coming in. Like, these, why not just go all in and just do it like the NFL does it? Because it's not like... You're not hiding anything from us at this point. We know it's all about the money, right? Like the players want money. The schools want money. The TVs want money. Like it's all about money. So let's make the most money for these people. Do it the right way. And then at the end, we know who the winner is. We know the best teams in the best conferences, in the best divisions. It just is what it is. But 100% full stop. There's, especially in, I, I, you don't want to call them non revenue sport or, uh, they just don't Not, generate the same type. They of don't revenue. generate revenue. So, but, and those are more of what you would call the student athletes than let's say 75% of football players are, right? right. You know, they're, Cardell Jones famous, I didn't come here to play school, yeah. right? They're the money I mean, makers. I mean, then those are the guys that generate the money. But so what you're taking student athletes away, like say the softball team. And you're taking them away now because they're they're going to have to go to the East Coast for probably and stay for like a week, right? Because you're going to play multiple multiple stops over there or whatever, or the volleyball or gymnast or whatever. Right. And because of that, so now you're taking them away from school, where they're probably more inclined to be there for the education part of the scholarship than, you know, the the actual athletic part of it. So. This this would be to me the simplest and best way to fix it, and everybody gets get, everybody gets paid. Well, you got to get the NCAA out of the conversation. I mean, that, they seem to be the biggest problem in it all, and and, and that's where it's headed. I, I think more more likely than not. All right, so that's we're all in agreement. Chip Kelly's right, and once he gets fired from UCLA after next season, he can be the new college ball commissioner um i like chip kelly though i really i love him as a coach but it's it's not working out no um Great let's point. move on to bowl game week two we're not going to talk a whole lot about the game last night 
Uh, I've still got to watch that from the Frisco Bowl last night, Marshall and UTSA. Uh, technically a week two bowl game because it started on Tuesday. Um, but I'm not really going to talk about any prospects in this game as much as I want to make us feel old, Brad. Did you see who the two starting quarterbacks were last night? Did you, yeah, did you see the post I put in our Discord? Yeah, pictures of uh, <laughs> yes. Pennington, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. So um, for those who didn't follow the game last night, the two starting quarterbacks for UTSA was Owen McCown, son of Josh McCown, and for Marshall it was Cole Pennington, the son of Chad Pennington. Only <sighs> Josh McCown would have stayed a backup quarterback for another year or two. He could have played in the NFL with his son. There you go. <laughs> uh, LeBron, right? Yeah, that, that was crazy. Uh, yeah, so uh, we'll move on now. Tomorrow night, uh, the Boca Raton Bowl in beautiful Boca Raton, Florida. South Florida. South Florida against Syracuse, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Shane has this one. In my opinion, the best prospect in this game that I think will play is Marlo Wax, the linebacker from Syracuse. Uh, not sure if you had anybody you wanted to touch on here. Yeah. Is is Wax playing? I hope so. I about to, I that was when I when I was as of, this point, this. as of this point he hasn't entered the transfer portal or accepted an All Star game invite, so I'm considering him playing until not. <laughs> um, yeah, he would have been the first name that I thought of when we start when you started talking uh, bowl games. Um, I was trying to think of anybody from South Florida that might be relevant, but. No, I don't, I, so. I don't either. I was kind of looking through my notes. I don't think there's necessarily anybody. Oh, Nino asks if, if Wax is injured, isn't he? I don't know. Let me look. I, he could be. I, I don't know. That would be a reason he wouldn't be playing in the game, I guess. Let's see here. Uh, it doesn't mention if he's he's been cleared to play or not. Yep, so guess we'll find out along with everybody else tomorrow night. Uh, Gasparilla Bowl on Friday night. Shane will be watching uh, Georgia Tech and UCF. This is a 5.30 kickoff. It's a weird, weird kick time, right, on a Friday? Or if they had some NBA games or something on Friday, and they needed a lead in. Uh, for Georgia Tech, I am a fan of their corner, LaMiles Brooks. Love his size and length. Uh, for UCF, John Reese Plumley's fun. I don't think he's an NFL player uh, at quarterback, maybe as a wide receiver, or maybe he goes back to playing baseball. Don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's – Plumley two years ago would have been more exciting to talk about than he is now, I think. But um, I wouldn't mind seeing the, the D-tackle barber. Is that his name? I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Ricky Barber. Uh, transfer from Auburn, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a fan. So he'd, he'd be one that I would at least want to keep an eye on and see how he does. I mean, it, this is a when you look at the matchup, it seems like kind of a weird game on paper to see. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> because that often, neither offensive line is super stellar. So Barber could have a really fun game and, and kind of stand out because I think he's, you know, he's one of those guys that I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, go outside and play more as like an edge and a three, four look. So yeah, he'd be one that I want to look at. Yeah. He's definitely probably going to be a, a, a five tech probably yeah, at the, uh, so. at the next level. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't see him being uh, an interior guy much uh, Saturday morning at 11 a.m. on ABC. I'll be watching uh, Duke and Troy in the Birmingham bowl. Uh, Duke has been just torn apart <laughs> in the portal here. Uh, Troy, I mentioned er earlier, uh, I don't know if Javon Solomon's going to play. Uh, he has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl. Uh, Reddy Stewart, uh, their corner, accepted an invite to the Hugo Bowl. I'm still waiting to see Richard Gibbonor. Uh I love this guy. Uh, he's a freak length athlete at 6'3", 228. I, I, put him in, I predicted him to, in my Senior Bowl predictions that he would go there. I, I don't know if that's where he ends up. Maybe he goes to the Shrine. Maybe, maybe he ends up at the Hula. I don't know. But he's a six-year player. I don't know what his eligibility situation is. I, Kamani Vidal, their running back, is also super good. What about uh, Jordan Waters from Duke? What do you think about him? He transferred. He, oh, uh, he, he actually committed to uh, 
he committed to someone yesterday. I can't remember who. But so he was the when I was looking at the game, he was the first name I thought of. Uh, transfer. Where did he go to? <laughs> It, it just came across audience. yesterday. Didn't? Right. It, it just came across true? yesterday. Uh, oh, he went to NC State. There you go. Uh, so he went right down the road. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting move. Uh, I wonder why Duke got hit so hard, though. I mean, their coach left. Teams. Yeah, but you would think that, I mean, depending on what the new coach, I, I mean, I don't mind the new staff. Like, I'd be interested to see some of these guys in this, but they obviously. Yeah, it could have been one of them deals where they'd say, uh, you know, you, a, you ain't got to go, but you can't stay here. It's a Coach Prime situation. He was yeah. They had baggage, eh? There you go. Uh, Arkansas State, Northern Illinois, 11 a.m. on ESPN. I'll be watching this one from the capital city of Alabama in Montgomery at the Camellia Bowl. The famous Crampton Bowl, they call it, the stadium. I've been there. Covered the Camellia Bowl a few years ago. It ain't, it ain't much to look at. Uh, but for Arkansas State, not a whole. It's not a whole lot happening for either of these teams, to be honest. Uh, Corey Rucker, the receiver for Arkansas State, uh, he's was at South Carolina for a song after transferring from Arkansas State. So, you know, uh, he's, he's okay. What have you watched any of Nolan Porter, the offensive lineman from Northern Illinois? I have not. Uh, not a whole lot. Been the only name that popped off for me that yeah. you know, as I was looking at the game, like, oh no. Maybe well, I'll be watching this game. This is the first time I've actually had Northern. That's why I took this game. I haven't watched either of these schools this year, so I figured I'd get a uh, get get a look at him. Uh, taste of it. Yeah, two thirty p.m. on Saturday on ABC. I'll be watching the Armed Forces Bowl between Air Force and James Madison. Obviously, it's hard to look at Air Force and get you know because you don't know what the military commitments and all that. Uh, James Madison's another team that is their coach left we're all transferring out uh but i have in the past enjoyed watching their offensive tackle nick kidwell uh 315 offensive lineman is what i'm trying to get better at scouting i've been working hard at trying to to learn more about the offensive lineman so i, I try to watch the trenches a little bit more uh, these last you know the last six eight months and it's interesting to see how the NFL looks at some of these guys, but Kidwell is definitely would have been one of those names that stood out. So that'll be fun to see what you think about that game. Yeah. Uh, Nino big fan of a uh, Rayshon Thomas, the uh, pass rusher for Northern Illinois. So another name to focus on there. Um, 2 30 PM on ESPN. Shane will be watching the famous Idaho potato bowl from the blue turf, uh, Georgia state and Utah state. I tell you, I watched Utah state earlier and, you know, the, the 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 skinny, fast wide receiver is in in the NFL now. And Terrell Vaughn from Utah State is that. Um, 5'7", 170, fifth-year player. A guy to watch in that game. Well, they have, was it Van Leeuwen is the other one? And he's pretty small and skinny, isn't he? They have had a, quite a few small, skinny wide receivers over these last few years. Uh, yeah, six, I don't know that I've seen much of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. 6 p.m. on ESPN, I'll be watching live <laughs> in Mobile. I'll be in the press box for the 68 Ventures Bowl, formerly known as the Lending Tree Bowl, formerly known as the Dollar General Bowl, formerly known as the GMAC Bowl. Uh, Eastern Michigan against the home team, South Alabama. LaDamian Webb is not going to play, you know. Uh, <laughs> he is uh, banged up, not going to play. Uh, Dante Lucas, their guard, uh, tr Florida State transfer, is going to play, but immediately after has said he's going in the portal. But at least he's playing in the game. Uh, a little bit of something. The best prospect in this game would have been Colin Lacey, the wide receiver uh, for South Alabama, but he is portaled out to Louisville. So, in my opinion, the best prospect in this game now, by default, is South Alabama safety Yambanks. Yeah, I mean Eastern. As much as I'm from the I'm from the Ypsilanti area, so Eastern Michigan was in my backyard for a long time. And uh, outside of uh, Crosby, they haven't had a ton of uh, talent come out of there as of late. So yeah, that'll be uh, interesting to see how they hold up going down there. Yeah, uh, to to point this out, we have four players from Eastern Michigan on our watch list, and two of them are specialists, and the other two are running backs, including Samson Evans, uh, as Nino points out there. Uh, Six thirty Saturday night. On ABC, I'll be watching the Las Vegas Bowl between Northwestern and Utah, and I imagine we'll get a good amount of prospects in this game for sure. Uh, 
But Jonah Ellis, uh, the edge rusher for Utah, third-year player, big sack numbers this year. Want to see him. Yeah, uh, he's he's definitely been – I mean, I wouldn't – for me, it's tight ends with Utah. Or I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, Queeth. I mean, because he's a guy that's kind of been up and down throughout his collegiate career as somebody that's people have been excited about and then not excited about. And then now, I mean, especially after watching last week's show, going, talking about the weak tight end class after your top two, it's like, could a guy like Queeth stand out and, and start making a name for himself and maybe pushing? But yeah, oh, and you know, Cole, Cole Bishop would have been fun to watch, but yeah. yeah. Ellis opted out apparently as well. Didn't see that. So did uh, Cole Bishop. So this is... Well, this game's just gone to crap already. Uh, Northwestern, I got nothing uh, for those guys. We'll see. I'm, I'm anxious to see it. Uh, Thomas Yasmin, their other tight end, is uh, not a lot of numbers, but he's 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 got some uh, NFL skill set. Um, and closing it out on Saturday night, I'll be watching 9.30 p.m. on ESPN, the Hawaii Bowl, Coastal Carolina and San Jose State. Uh, Coastal Carolina, of course, Grayson McCall, their quarterback has portaled out to NC State, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, I like their running back, Braden Bennett, because I was a big fan of his dad at South Carolina back in the day, Brandon Bennett. Okay. Uh, Sam Pinckney, their uh, wide receiver, also a solid player. I was impressed with Chevin Cordero, the quarterback uh, for San Jose State, transfer from Hawaii. He jumped out to me when I watched them earlier this season. Yeah, I mean, for for me, San Jose State always seems to have running backs that you want to keep an eye on. You know, they don't ever, they don't necessarily always pan out, but I always try to keep an eye on what what's happening in the backfield there. Yeah, I don't know if he's the starter, but I uh, when I watched them last year, Kyrie Robinson, their running back, five eight, two hundred pounds. He 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 was a he was a good player last year for them. So that's going to do it. Uh, we're going to wrap up our – that'll wrap up our week two bowl game. You heard my name a lot. I basically took almost every single game from the first two weeks of the bowl. Shane's going to be just dogging it this last – the last week of the bowl games. I only got a handful there. Uh, Especially as many prospects as there will be in those last bowl games. I mean, right. he's going to be busy. He, he will be a busy man. That is for sure. All right. Let's get to the all-star game of choice around here. As, like I've said, it's played in the same stadium as the 68 Ventures Bowl, Hancock Whitney Stadium in Mobile, which, as I've told told everybody before, is a literal three-mile uh, drive from my neighborhood. I have to make one right turn, and I'm it's a straight shot. So <laughs> it's, it's an awesome location for me. And like I said, it is the best thing going about the city of Mobile. Uh, not as many uh, acceptances this week. feel like the numbers have come down a little bit, but we right now are at 92 total Senior Bowl acceptances. And so we'll go through the ones from this week. Uh, Nathaniel Watson, the linebacker from Mississippi State, sixth-year player, 6'2", 240, has committed to the game. That's it? Yeah, that's it. I was <laughs> Wow. I mean, that, uh, you know. I, the funny thing is the senior bowl rosters have really it's such a such an interesting time to see how how these guys are go into it but the senior bowl rosters i mean such good talent and and jim Nagy's done a great job making the senior bowl must watch i mean so anytime a player shows up on there i mean you just you got to pay attention so you got to say, i mean i, I haven't got watch much of watson yeah yeah like 90 percent of their players get drafted that play in the game so you, you have to if you see a name you gotta you gotta pay attention. Um he's Mississippi State, right, Watson? Yes. There's a couple of offensive tackles that committed a game and both of them could push into that first round territory. I'm not as high right now on Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, fifth year player, six seven, three sixteen, as much as I am the other offensive tackle that committed to Lee Fuaga from Oregon State, who I think oh. could push into the top fifteen. I'll say I've seen a few mocks that have him top 20. So, it you know, it seems like the consensus is starting to push that direction as well. Right. Uh, big defensive lineman ad for this week. Uh, Oregon's Brandon Dorless, who has just kept his ascension up. Shane thinks he can, he could push into the first round uh, by the time the process is over. At the very least, an early second round pick. Well, and it is, at his size and, and the way that he plays, he really could fit he could be very versatile, you know, I mean, he is light, a little under 300. So people might not see him as a pure, 
you know, three tech kind of defensive tackle. I could see him bump out to the edge a little bit more. But he's, I mean, he's a Oregon's going to have plenty of draftable prospects this year, and it's fun to see. I mean, uh, I think draft season could really help his stock too, though. I think he could produce better numbers and and really shoot up the boards there. Uh, Texas had another commitment. This is now their fifth. Uh, the fifth Longhorn that's committed to the game. And there will be another one uh, had an invite accepted. They just haven't formally announced it yet. So Texas is going to have at least six uh, guys at the game. But linebacker Jalen Ford, uh, 6'3", 236. That's, that's, that's nice off the hoof right there. Uh, he, creeped into my, he creeped into my top ten when it came to my linebacker rankings that I posted up on the site one of the last couple articles I did. I, he's one. He's interesting. I really like what Ford can do. I don't – I don't necessarily think he showed out as well in that Texas defense, but I, I mean, I think he's got some potential and it's cool to see him take a, take a senior bowl invite. That'll be fun to see how he stacks up with the rest of them. No doubt. Uh, the other, another linebacker committed and I'm going to butcher his name. So I'm going to give it a try here. Uh, Washington linebacker, Edifuan Uofoshio, 6'1", 230, sixth year player. We're just going to call like it Eddie. It. <laughs> I have he's on my list. Yeah, he's on my list. I haven't gotten to him at this point in time, but yes, I saw the name and butchered it myself. So you did great. Yeah, much better than me. M- mentioned him earlier uh, when we were talking about Troy, but edge rusher Javon Solomon, 6'2", 245 pounds, probably going to stand up at linebacker at Senior Bowl. If I had to guess, based off the the height there, uh, he'll he'll be asked to stand up and practice. So we'll see how he does with the back pedal and the coverage and all that. That you that that Brad, if that's one thing that you, if you can gather, like if you get a get a hold of the Senior Bowl tape and stuff, the film, watch how these line, watch how these defensive ends have to stand up and see how they transition in some of those drills. It's it's fun to see, man. You see, and you can see who can who can do it, and who can't, really quick. But uh, so I imagine Solomon will be asked to do that. But one of the leaders in the FBS in sacks, over sixteen sacks this year for Troy. He's an impact player. I mean, he could be a fun. He could be fun for one of those teams that's looking for a guy to just attack off the edge because he's a disruptor. I mean, you know, he played well in that defense. And, you know, like you said, he was one of the top sack artists in college football. So I love him. I think he could stand out with a really good senior bowl and then, you know, continue through draft season. And he could be one of those guys that shoots up the board and we see, you know, early day two, early mid day two. Wouldn't be a surprise, right, for a team looking for that kind of player. Yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, Michael Pratt's teammate. Wide receiver Jaquan Jackson from Tulane. Another one of those guys, terrific, uh, got great feet. Probably going to be a slot guy. Uh, those guys have good – those guys tend to stand out in those one-on-ones. Like, look at Tank Dell last year. Along this year comes Jaquan Jackson, a 5'10", 185 uh, receiver from, from Tulane. Well, and these are those – these are the times for those types of guys to use – their some whatever elite trait they have to stand out right like he wasn't going to show out at Tulane I mean that they're not producing tons of wide receiver talent in the NFL but if he has and and you know I think the tape shows that he's got nice burst I mean that's the one thing I noticed the and I haven't watched a ton of them but the little bit I did watch was like oh this guy's pretty explosive I mean he's in the wrong offense to really show his skill set but I mean, you've, you know, you've seen it plenty of times at the Senior Bowl when there's just that one receiver, whether it's a CMU guy or, or whatever, that shows out and just destroys DBs. And what and you see it every year at the Senior Bowl in the practice in the one-on-ones is you have guys like him and Jaden Reed and Tank Dale and these small, shifty wide receivers. All of these corners that you see come to the Senior Bowl, for the most part, are six foot, six one, six two, bigger guys. They got the length that the NFL wants. That's why you see those guys brought in. But those receivers, man, they make them guys look bad a lot of times. And it, and to me, when you see a corner that can handle that, then you know and that that's that's a guy that's a guy. Last year, uh Tyreek Stevenson, who's had some success right. this year for the Bears, he was one of those corners that that handled himself well. So that's another another thing to watch when you see the uh, senior bowl practice tape. Yeah, all right, those so that, twitchy receivers, definitely. Yeah. You're right, 100%. Um, all right, last thing here on the docket. Uh, underclassmen declarates only three this week. And when I'm, I'm I'm not counting some of these other guys that have declared for the draft that are fourth, fifth, sixth-year guys. I just presume they're all, they're all coming in anyway. 
So if like third year guys that declare, we'll talk about them on the show. And these are all your uh, your fantasy guy, Brad. These are all skill position players that declared this week. Two running backs and a receiver. We'll start with the backs. Audric Estime from Notre Dame. I mean, my surprise face. Everybody expected him to come out. I mean, he wasn't really going to do anything more at Notre Dame. And this is and this is the perfect year for a guy like that to come out because the running back group is not strong, right? You guys talked about it last week with Travis. I mean, you got Trey Benson, maybe Travion Henderson. I don't know. Is he coming out or not coming out? I don't think we've still heard yet. He has not announced. You know, so outside of that, you got Braylon Allen. I mean, there's not a lot of top-end talent. So if a guy like Estimate comes out, shows out well at the combine, and maybe does some things great in the interviews, I mean, he could push in, in into the consideration for one of the top few running backs drafted this year. Nobody's going in the first round, but, you know. And nor should they two. ever. <laughs> right. I mean, Jameer Gibbs is proving that it wasn't a terrible idea, but, you know, B. John Robinson certainly ain't proving it. That's – uh. That's a big it's not point their of fault. That's a big point of contention right now in the fantasy community, right? It is. It's you know, and it, but it's not the player's fault, right? I mean, Atlanta is just a weird situation. Fire Arthur Smith hashtag. Um, the other running back to declare this week was Jalen Wright of Tennessee. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't. He could have gone for another year, and I. I I think it probably would have been better for him. Like, I wonder who, what round they told him he'd be going in because I don't necessarily see him as a, a fringe draftable prospect. I mean, I don't know. Oh, that's a tough one for me in the evaluation. I just don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess for him. And the good thing for a guy like Jalen Wright, though, by declaring now, he can get on an all star game roster now. He can play in the Senior Bowl now. He can play in the Shrine Bowl. So he'll have that opportunity to get in one of those games and maybe up his draft stock a little bit. Go to the Combine. Maybe he's really fast. I, I don't know. Um, interesting to see. Another – and finally, uh, wide receiver oh, – I mean, this guy could be a first-round guy, right? At, at worst, probably early second. Troy Franklin, wide receiver from Oregon. Big, fast wide receiver, right? I have uh, I have him in my first round. You know when I I think I think tomorrow's article is actually my top fifteen receivers or something. There you go. Franklin, well, I we're going to look forward a, to that. I'm about to say I have him as a first round receiver. I mean, you know, Oregon's offense was humming this year, right? But Troy Franklin's been good his entire career. Like when you've watched him in college, there haven't there hasn't been a point where I was like, man, this kid just isn't isn't ready for the situation. I mean, he looks the part. He's big, but he's kind of more lean. You know, I think he's still under 190 pounds, but he's 6'3". Explosiveness is there. The hands are there. You watch him. He can high point the ball. He tracks it well. He's physical enough to fight the DBs for it. I mean, there, there's nothing. If this class didn't have Malik Neighbors and Marvin Harrison Jr., like you could argue Troy Franklin could be in that conversation with Adunze as one of the top receivers in the class. But, you know, it, it's unfortunate the wrong year for him to try to come out because there's so many good receivers in this class. But... He should be in the first round. If you see five or six receivers go, he's going to be one of them. He's one of those guys, yeah. I agree. All right, so that's going to do it there. Um, doesn't like we – well, we did get one question. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But I want to have a little fun. Last year, me and Shane, on our uh, go-home edition of the podcast before Christmas, we named our top five Christmas movies. Shane went the traditional route with, you know, your wholesome Christmas movies, where my top three were – it, from three to one was Gremlins, Bad Santa, and Die Hard. Brad, I know, and this is why I had you on tonight. I know you are a Die Hard is the number one Christmas movie guy, just like me. We're yeah, Die I mean, Hard to the bone, through and through. Die Hard and Christmas Vacation are my two favorite Christmas movies, and they're on the watch list every single year. 100%. Die Hard is a classic, classic movie, great action. Wholesome story about a man trying to reunite with his wife. I mean, I don't even understand why people trying to go that. home to trying to go to see his kids on Christmas. What's more Christmas than that? I'm, yeah, I don't know. And it's got a, a an awesome soundtrack. You know, you get a little Christmas and Hollis. I mean, you get some good stuff on there too. I mean, uh, it's a great movie. And you know, this time of year, you need great movies, and that's what that is. Yeah. So I thought we'd have a little fun, Brad. So oppose the suit for. We all know the best characters in the movie, John McClane, 
and Hans Gruber, right? They're the best. Who are the best side characters from Die Hard? The guys that aren't going to get the top billing. Who are the best side characters from Die Hard? I mean, it, it has to be Sergeant Powell. I mean, it's got to be it, right? You know, right. went on to be a great, wholesome dad in Family Matters. But in this movie... A after transferring to the Chicago Police Department, right? After going to the Chicago Police Department. He was done <laughs> out there on the coast. Um, he does such a great job. I mean, you know, just trying to get some delicious Twinkies and enjoy his Christmas Eve. And then all of a sudden, these terrorists come and mess with him and shoot at him and all sorts of stuff. But, I mean, you know, every time he comes in, you know, just he's funny. He's quick-witted. He's got some good one-liners in the movie. I mean... How can you not love Sergeant Powell? Who's yours? You know, we, we talked, you mentioned Argyle, the limo driver, very good, integral part of the movie. I, 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 I like to dig a little deeper here. I, I like not just the, but to me, Ellis, right? Ellis has to get consideration here. Hans, Booby, he's his white knight, man. Ellis might have been the dumbest character in the movie, but certainly he was the, played some pivotal moments there, right? Right. Man, yeah. man, all he wanted to do was get a nice watch and, and, and do some cocaine on Christmas Eve, man. It's <laughs> what a guy. It was a white Christmas for him. No doubt. Honorable mention to me, uh, Sergeant Robinson from the uh, LAPD. I, I, I thought he had some good good liners, good one-liners. Looks like we're going to need some more FBI guys. I mean, it's good stuff. <laughs> well, it was, then, uh, the, then the FBI guys were pretty funny when they're, you know, right. what was that? In the in the copter, he's like, oh, especially gosh, I can't think of, I can't uh, think of the line. Oh, uh, it's like just like just like Saigon, eh? He's, <laughs> he's like, I was in there. junior high. <laughs> oh, classic! Such a good movie. Yeah. All right, that's gonna do it for tonight's uh, episode. What, let's go. Uh, I forgot. Uh, an answer we got question one question. Here. Right? One question. Uh, Nino asks. Um, Love Nino. Does Nick Saban retire if Bama wins the Natty? They're not getting past Michigan. Let's be honest here. Michigan is going to show Jalen Monroe how defense played, right? I mean, that's how this is going to work. I will say I'm a Michigan fan, so hopefully Bama doesn't do what TCU did to us last year. But, yeah, no, I th it's hard to see Saban retire, right? Like, he just kind of writes his own check at this point, so – He's running the program, and it's all his. I'm, why retire? I mean, unless you, unless you have something better to do. I got to think his kids are grown by now. Right. And to me, if he does retire, which I don't think he will, even if they win the national championship. Um, but, you know, Disney's got a blank check waiting on him. It's the day he hangs it up. He's he's it becomes their top college football analyst. Day, well, the next day. Well, and you, I mean, and even in the summer, I'm, I'm pretty sure a couple folks asked him in the summer if you, if this was it this year, you know, said, what is he? 70, 71, 72, somewhere in there. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I don't think he's at this point, I don't think it's broke. Right. I know people were nervous about, you know, what was going on with Jalen Monroe and, and it wasn't working. Uh, I will go on record and say, I believed in Jalen Monroe the whole time. So you haters, I don't like Alabama, but I like Jalen Monroe. Uh, you know, I, I don't see why they would change what they're doing. He's produced good coaches. You know, he's helped get Sark over there in Texas. I mean, all these other things have come from his kind of what he's done. And don't get me wrong. I'm not a big Saban guy. He coached from Michigan State, and after that, he was dead to me. So, you know, uh, from there. But you got to respect what he's built, you know, and, and what he's done for the game. As much as I don't, you know, I don't necessarily love when teams win a bunch of national championships in a row. I love the parody. Um he seems to have figured out the, the secret sauce. So I don't know why you would quit when you're still at the top of your game, which it seems like he is. What do you think? Yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I don't think he retires, even if they win the championship. Um, and I think they will, but, uh, how dare you, how dare you come in here with that kind of tomfoolery? Well, man, I, I may have mentioned a handful of times where I live on this one episode of the show. So, not to mention my uh, Alabama alumni wife that's in the next room right now. So I won't you know. hold it against her. I will not hold it against her. You know, it is what it is. Rolling tide on this show. No rolling tide. <laughs> I, I, you know. Go blue. Um, when but me and Shane will talk more about those games next week and probably go give our official predictions. Although I kind of just gave mine. 
unofficially there. But uh, final thoughts, Brad, on everything going on with you, Draft Countdown, and where everybody can, you know, find you. Yeah, buckle up, man. It's been it's been great, you know, being able to write and edit content and, and kind of learn from a lot of the guys that are in the community. And you guys, you know, you and Shane are just awesome. I love working with you guys and, and just – picking picking people's brains and pulling up that information you know the most probably the most prevalent place to find me would be over on twitter uh roto heat brad you know i do fantasy content i do nfl content nfl draft content mostly uh like to talk all things football you know like to actually if you follow me on twitter it's probably more funny than football because there's so many amazing people in the community it's like i'll say things if i need to but otherwise i'm just behind the scenes writing and and editing up your guys's stuff um, I probably will throw some of myself into the videos more just to, just to help out and add some extra pieces to it. But here is the best place. You know, YouTube is, is where it's at. I mean, we're working hard and, and the channel's growing. Appreciate anybody that checks us out that's been a new subscriber over the last few months. We've been having leaps and bounds uh, on the channel. So, you know, just keep liking, subscribing, hitting that notification bell so you can see when these guys go live and then me behind the scenes tinkering and making them look good. There you go. And you've been doing a heck of a job uh, getting those uh, the shorts and everything up. We appreciate it so much. But uh, that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the Draft Countdown Podcast. As always, if like Brad said, if you're new to the channel, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Get notified when we go live. If you listen to this on the audio, uh, audio version of the show, be it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to your uh, podcasts, give us a five-star review. Share that out stuff, man. We, we would really appreciate that. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft. Follow Brad on Twitter at Roto Heat Brad. Follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam. And follow Draft Countdown on Twitter at Draft Countdown. And as always, for 24 7, 365 draft coverage, go to draftcountdown.com. As always, good night, everybody. Merry Christmas.